Welcome to Live Your Full Life Now podcast. So we're still continuing our teaching on the subject of Esther, the book of Esther. It's um, 10 chapters, and I believe you finished the first six, and I'm going to try to complete at least two in this teaching. Um, so during the last teaching, I think we um, ended the story where uh, Esther is throwing a banquet for King Cyrus and also invited Haman. And um, this is where um, now the banquet starts and Haman was uh, in the middle of telling his wife and his friends what's going on, um, that the eunuchs come and usher him uh, to the banquet. So now we're in chapter 7 and it goes like this. It says, so the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. And as they were drinking wine on the second day, um, so this banquet was for two days, uh, the king again asked Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? So he's curious because he had already asked her and she hasn't really told him what is it that she wants. Uh, and then in verse 3, it says, Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. So just let's just stop for a moment. So this, the King Cyrus is probably wondering what? Spare your life? Give you, you know, that's your petition? Spare the life of what is she? He's probably thinking, what is she talking about? Okay, remember, Queen Esther was Jewish, right? But Mordecai had told her, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody that you're, so, uh, that you're Jewish. So um, nobody knew. Haman didn't know when he asked the king to issue that edict to have all the Jews killed, right? So the king doesn't know, and Haman didn't know, so this is a surprise to them, right? So she's about to tell them. So, and verse 4, it says, For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, annihilated. If we had merely been sold as males and female slaves, I would have kept quiet, because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. So she's continually in a position of humility, right? She's saying, listen, if they had sold us into slavery, I wouldn't even bother you with it. But they've, there's, an, there's an order to kill us. So the King Cyrus asked Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he? The man who has dared to do such a thing. He's thinking, what? Somebody's going to come and kill my wife? The queen? Who? You know, he has no idea that he himself issued this decree, but under being, being manipulated by Haman. And he didn't even know that his wife was Jewish, right? Esther said, an adversary, an enemy. And then she turns to uh, Haman and she says, this vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his faith, stayed behind and begged Queen Esther for his life. So now, first of all, it was probably a shock and surprise to both King Cyrus and Haman, but King Cyrus didn't know that Haman doesn't know, or I'm, I'm assuming uh, that, that Queen Esther is, uh, you know, uh, she's Jewish. So he's just so upset because... Who is Haman? He's the chief advisor of the king. He gave him the highest ranking official position in the palace. And now he's thinking Haman did this? You know, he's, he's going to have my wife killed, the queen killed. So he's probably going out there to like get his head straight and think, what do I need to do here? 
And uh, so he leaves, but Haman, <clears throat> let's read the verse. This is in verse 8. It says, just as the king returned from the palace garden, um, well, no, let me go back to verse 7. It says, the king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. So he's thinking, this is my last chance. I just, there's nothing else I can do. He's, I'm going to be killed. Let me just beg her for my life. Maybe she'll have mercy on me, right? So verse 8 says, just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. So what is Haman doing? He's pretty much like sitting on the ground. He's begging her, right? He's begging her to spare his life. And, but the king doesn't see it that way. The king thinks like he's touching her inappropriately. So the king exclaimed, will he even molest the queen while she's with me in the house? Like, who is this man? Like, <clears throat> he's shocked to see that. That's what he's assuming, right? As soon as the word left king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of eunuchs attending the king, said, a pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. So this eunuch immediately takes advantage of the situation. And he's like, guess what? You don't need to erect another pole. He already set one up, and he was going to put Mordecai, kill Mordecai, <clears throat> have him killed, and hang him on that pole. And he's just like making a suggestion, right? So the king said, impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. So what happens to Haman? He's killed. He pretty much falls in his own trap. Uh, so we're moving to chapter 8. Now remember, once the king gave an order, he could not recall it. He could not cancel it. He could not void it. So Esther is thinking, okay, my life might be spared, but what about the rest of the nation, <clears throat> of the Jewish people? This order is now already in 127 provinces, uh, pretty much for, God, for the king's soldiers to go out and king all the Jews. So verse 8, that's what it's talking about. So the same day King Cyrus gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came into the presence of the king. For Esther had told how he was uh, related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman, and presented it to Mordecai, and Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. Okay, so remember, Haman was a prosperous, rich guy, thanks to the king. Uh, but now all his estate, the king ordered him that they need to be given to King Esther. And King Esther brings her cousin, introduces him to the king. And uh, <clears throat> then the king takes his uh, signet ring and that was, he had given to Haman, he gives it to Mordecai. So Esther now is thinking, I have to ask the king to do something about the rest of the Jews, right? So Esther again pleaded with the king, <clears throat> falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman, the Agakite, which he had advised against the Jews. Then the king ex ex extended his, uh, the gold scepter to Esther, and she arose and stood before him. So she's begging the king um, do something, and... Um, so it says, if it pleases the king, she says, and if, it re if he regards me with favor and thinks it is the right thing to do, and if he's pleased with me, then let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, son of 
uh, Hamadatha, the Agagite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews and all the king's province. How can I bear to see such disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? So she's begging him. She's saying, please write it, overrule what you did. But king knows, like he cannot take back what he's already ordered to do, right? Um, so, but he comes up with another idea. He says, now write another decree in the king's name. And this is in verse eight. On behalf of the Jews, as seems best to you, seal it with the king's signet ring for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. In other words, he's saying, I can't revoke what I already did, but you can write another one um, that can help save your people. So um, he pretty much gives Esther and Mordecai the, the, the authority to do whatever they think is best to save the people, the Jewish people. <clears throat> so the king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right. Well, let me go back to verse 9. It says, Mordecai wrote in the name of King Cyrus, sealed this, the dispatches with the king's signet ring, sent them by mountain couriers who rode fast horses, specially bred for the king. Okay, remember they, Haman cast a lot to have this edict uh, come to pass. It was the, t- the 12 month. So there was some time. I mean, even when, you know, the Bible says when you cast a lot, the Lord decides what the results will be. So maybe it was a good thing that there was plenty of time before that edict was supposed to come to pass because back then they didn't have emails and texts and phone. He couldn't just pick up the phone and call let's say the governors of those provinces, people who are running it in the governing position, hey, uh, there's another edict, you know, this is what's going to happen. They're, they have to carry these orders by horses. Uh, it says that they were the king's horses, they rode fast, but now there's a new order that these, uh, the king's, um, uh, you know, soldiers or the couriers, they have to actually ride horses and take these new orders to 127 provinces who are getting in a ready set position to kill all the Jews, right? So uh, verse 11 says, um, the king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and to protect themselves. How important is that? So King Cyrus said every Jew can assemble and they can protect themselves. They can destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality of pro- or province who might attack them and their women and their children and to plunder the property of their enemies. So in other words, it says, I can't recall the order that I gave, but they can fight. They can fight and protect themselves. So verse 13 says, a copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on uh, their enemies. The couriers riding the royal horses went out uh, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. So um, that's pretty much chapter 8. So now not only um, Esther did what she was supposed to, she took a chance, but she God gave her a plan, right? She put that plan into action. And, um, you know, I want to read a verse for you guys, because Haman was a prideful man, a man full of hate and evil, right? A man who wanted to take revenge, but also a man in a position of authority and power. Uh, But what does the Bible says about people who plan evil, uh, especially those who plan evil for God's people? Proverbs 26, 27 says, if you set a trap for others, you will get caught in it yourself. 
if you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. Then that's the word of God. This is Proverbs 26, 27. Haman meant to do evil, not only to Mordecai, but the whole, uh, you know, children of God. And what happened? Even to the last day, he erected a pole to hang Mordecai on it. And he himself was hanged on that pole. So he fell into his own trap because he had a, uh, you know, he, he had an evil heart. He, his intention was bad. Uh, he was prideful. He abused his power. And it was for no good. And what happened at the end? God came into the scene and things changed, right? So um, that's, that's chapter 7 and chapter 8. That talks about Haman's uh, faith. Um, so there's a couple chapters left um, about this story and how it ends. So we were going to go on into that during the next teaching. So until then, God be with you and God bless you.